You're listening to Version Control, Pounding Grain's digital news podcast. Every great creative articulation, piece of new tech or idea in general always starts with a strong strategic insight. And every strong insight requires diligent and thought-provoking research to learn about these immensely important human truths. Which is why today, we're extremely excited to talk to Pounding Grain's junior strategist and researcher, Marguerite Gailey. Don't let the title junior strategist fool you though. Marguerite is a relentless analyst and reporting guru. She's a research maven who dabbles in journey mapping, brand planning, and analytics. Oh, and she's also a Vancouver foodie if there ever was one. Version Control presents The Hot Seat, featuring Marguerite Gailey. discovered Pounding Green was I was in a more general marketing course at my first college that I went to and then I found out wow I really enjoyed this side of business so I went to BCIT to pursue like marketing specifically um, and then I took a digital marketing course and got really into that so I just searched around for digital marketing agencies and like looked for content on um, digital marketing like more local in Vancouver and you guys hopped up on version control. So um, I started listening to that first episode on AI and I was like, wow, this company, like they do proactive stuff like podcasts, they're making their own content. And then your name showed up on my internship list. So I was like, this is definitely like the place that I wanna try and go for. And here I am. Oh my God. Amazing. It, it works, Nick. It works. It works. <laughs> that's, that's proof. It's an amazing success story, especially based on how those early episodes were not good. But <laughs> <laughs> So I think that's awesome. Yeah, so it really kind of came full circle. Do you remember what that first episode was about? Like the uh, other than like AI, like did I'm, I'm, this is total out of like prefer, like total personality thing. Like, did we sound like idiots? Be honest. No, you didn't. I thought you guys actually sounded um, like super personable and like well versed in what you were talking about, but still like you were able to speak about those topics in a way for like me to understand, like just starting out in the industry. So that's why I first got into it because it's really intimidating jumping into a field that you think you really want to get into, but you're just starting out. And um, yeah, no, you guys didn't sound like idiots at all. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, we fooled you. <laughs> <laughs> Now I know the truth. <laughs> yeah, totally. We were all just like making it up as we went along. So you mentioned you were in you were in school and you were kind of looking at digital marketing. And I guess for all of our listeners out there, why don't you explain to them what you do right now and how that kind of how your schooling kind of led led you to this spot? Sure. So yeah. So the first year of my program, um, I was in marketing communications. We learned like basically everything. So not just digital. We learned traditional and media and a bunch of different like pathways from marketing that stem from there. And you kind of like choose a specific path to whatever appeals to you. Um, and I was just really interested in digital because I knew how much the landscape was changing, especially now, how technology is transforming everything, like the way that people do every like day to day things. So I kind of thought that was like the place that I wanted to be in such like a fast paced moving industry. Um, yeah, so that led me here. So right now I'm a junior strategist at Pound and Grain. Um, and I do a lot of the analytics and reporting for a few of my clients. Um, 
And more recently, I've gotten more into like user journeys and brand planning for a really cool client that I'm really um, interested in. But you, you dropped a few terms in there that I think um, are really important, but I, I kind of want you to explain them. When you say okay. uh, things like analytics and user journeys, for, for those people who aren't uh, kind of engulfed in this stuff every day, what, is, what does that mean Like if you're thinking of going into like a career like this? Yeah, so analytics, well, that can mean like diff- many different things, but one of the main things I do is uh, either social media analytics or website analytics. So it basically tracks the performance of what we're doing or current project we're working on. So for example, um, for one of the bigger clients that we handle um, on their social media end, if they have a huge event that's happening and we create a bunch of content specifically for them and create like its own hashtag, we monitor like how many times it's been used, uh, on what platforms, who the content appeals to, and like the best channels to get that information out to. So it's kind of just tracking like our tactics and like putting the results behind it. So uh, identifying the key performance indicators, whether that be um, including video views on like a recap of one of our huge events or um, like link clicks to websites from our clients end. Um, so it's really, it, it's a really broad term analytics, but it's basically measuring our success. Is it fun? It doesn't sound fun, but I actually find it really fun and uh, satisfying. <laughs> what was it that attracted you to that of all things? It's very important, obviously, um, but it's definitely not for everyone. So what was it that you know brought you there? The reporting side of things? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of got thrown into it. So I, it was one of the first tasks that I kind of handled um, after I got hired, hired on full-time for my internship. Um, I started training to become the main reporter, I guess, for monthly reports, quarterly reports, and just those like campaign-specific reports. Um, and then from that, I don't know, I just, I just became the designated reporter. And I, I really don't mind it because I actually volunteer to do stuff like that too. So even for our own internal stuff, like we've begun tracking success on that too and the analytics on that side. Um, so yeah, I think what I find interesting about it is just taking like the raw data and seeing trends that may come out of it that you wouldn't normally see just by looking at the front end of things. Like you can't really see link clicks or anything like that or... Um, if you go deeper into, I guess, social listening, um, that really tells you more of like the, away from the numbers, but more like what people are actually saying and then pulling insights from that end of things too, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. And then you also do a lot of research. Like, so you do, it's, it's almost like your bookending projects in a sense. So like reporting is kind of like after something has been done and then you're tracking right. the success, but then um, I noticed you also spend a lot of your time researching new things so can you talk to us a little bit about that? Like, what's that like? Yeah, so researching is also something that I found really interesting. I think that's what drove me to the position also at Pounding Green. Um, there weren't many positions available for internships in strategy specifically. Um, they were mainly account coordination or account management. But um, I've always been really research driven. So I think like everyone is naturally born with curiosity. And I think like, I find it really interesting like when you look at a campaign or even look at other what other people have done 
and you think about like oh why did they choose this but it's constantly from them asking like oh why why do humans think this way and then like peeling back from that so just continuing to ask why so it's I don't know it's I find it like satisfying when you finally get to a core root that it's it's almost like finding hidden gems if you know what I mean totally and <laughs> and that's actually what makes uh the job of a creative person a lot more fun is when once that sort of like human truth or that little sort of like golden nugget that you're talking about is discovered Mm -hmm. then creative people get to be like well how do I talk about that how do I use that to create something really interesting and really fun definitely so when you were in school I mean did you know that this is what the gig would be like or were you just kind of like yeah I mean we'll just kind of see what it's like maybe I'll get to type on a computer for a little while (laughs) good question I didn't know that well I knew like I wanted to do something more data-driven and research-based than just um like I guess doing the project management type of thing. Um, and I had considered going into creative before, but again, I like I really enjoy the research portion of things. So I think strategy for me, like it combines um, creativity and the really like data backed up uh, portion of things. So mm-hmm. that's what really drove me to kind of work in this particular role. Would you, like, what kind of advice would you give somebody who's currently in, like, the program that you took uh, to kind of figure out if they really wanted to do this? I would say it's it's really difficult to know what it means to be in strategy. So whenever someone's like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm in strategy. They're like, what does that entail? But it's such a broad thing. And, like, I think that's why I love it so much, too, is that, like, the day-to-day is so different. Mm-hmm. And no two projects are the same. No two clients are the same. Like even the industries they work in are completely different. So I think my advice would be if you know that you're keen on research and like kind of getting into those, um, it, like if you get into a rabbit hole re- with researching and like you like finding like the reasoning behind why, then you should just jump into it and try. Like you can't really tell what it's like if you're just reading about the um, job descriptions online. You just have to jump into it. So if you're like, let's say you're planning a trip with you and your friends. Like what, what character are you playing? <laughs> are you like the planner? Or are you like the one that's like, okay, this is what we're going to do at 9 a.m. kind of thing? Or are you the one that's kind of like, here's all of the things that we could do? Or are you just kind of like, I'm just going to go with it, see what happens? I'm a bit of both actually. So yeah, when I travel, I have like, a set list of things I want to do, mainly restaurants and food I want to eat. But um, yeah, I'll do a bunch of research on the place before and kind of like find out the main things that I want to do. But I think like traveling, what's great about it is that you can get lost in a city and like have no plans and still have a great time and discover things like research would have never have directed you towards. So I think traveling like is very different, but I do plan a little bit but most of it is just spontaneous discoveries. Do you find it challenging to work with creatives sometimes? Because they're weird and unstructured? <laughs> and uh, or, or is that something that you really kind of like, like cherish? I kind of like that aspect of it. Um, I think like you kind of need both perspectives. Like you can, you can, research can only get you so far, but like creative execution and like the thought behind that it's also strategy in itself too. So I think it's important to learn from both ends. And like, I learned a lot of stuff just from listening from um, creative inputs on the clients that I work with and 
when I work with people on the creative team too. Um, so I don't find it annoying at all. I find it like educational. And since I'm still fairly new to the industry, I, yeah, I appreciate like anytime someone can walk me through like why they chose this route or anything like that. It's just interesting seeing how different people work, even if they're like, for example, you're both in creatives, but um, your process and your thinking is so different. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really interesting to get those different perspectives. It's great to have a lot of voices in the mix. Definitely. And the one thing that no creative person ever wants is to uh, create something that won't land in front of anybody. It's like the the tree in the woods, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you were thinking about going into creative and then ultimately landed in strategy. Like what helped you make that decision? I had a lot of fear about going into creative creativity um, just because I had always heard from people who actually went into it like, oh, I lost my passion through this. And I I find like visual creativity like one of my passions. So I was kind of scared that I would lose like the spark for it um, and it becoming more of a chore than an actual job. But I think like my thinking and choosing strategy was that I could, again, like combine both. Um, And I still get to like have some input on like creative direction or like creative suggestions. Uh, It's just not like the main thing I focus on. But I will, I'm not going to say there, I'll never go into creative. It's just for right now, I think I really enjoy strategy and I don't see it going away anytime soon. It's so interesting how you, you recognize that very early. I think a lot of people, especially early on in their careers, they've got all this energy and like, oh, I can do this forever. And Mm -hmm. that reality of fatigue uh, Mm -hmm. sets in at some point. Um, But it's it's interesting how you kind of recognize that at a very early age or very early on in your career. I've never heard anybody do that before. So that's that's neat. Thank you. (laughs) Do you think that it's better to be uh, someone on the strategy side who does have a bit of a creative bent? Or could you come into that role just being a numbers person in a creative industry? That's a good question. I think like for anyone going into strategy, any background is it there are so many different types of strategists so i think having a background in creative is also very beneficial um so because you have like just the knowledge of areas that i don't have so if you were to go into strategy right now you'd have all your previous history and your experiences to inform your strategy thinking now um but all i'm going off of is just my experiences and like from school and from from what I've been working on currently. So I think like strategy, you don't per se have to be a numbers person. You just have to be a curious person that wants to get to the root of things and continues asking why. That's interesting. Cause I, mean, I would say the same thing about creative as well, right? It's like when you lose that curiosity, when you lose kind of that wonder or that natural need to want to explore something, then you're dead. Like, mm. well, sorry, that was drab, but like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Die. Then, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, then, then it's going to be an uphill battle from there because ultimately it's, um, you can look at things like it's from the outside. It's very frustrating because I, I talk to my wife about this all the time. It was like, we deal with rejection and failure on an hourly basis. And like, if you're not passionate about it when you, and you don't develop sort of that callous or that thick skin, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, it's very, very hard to deal with. And I would assume it's the same for strategy as well, where you guys are finding things and whether or not it's agreed upon or if it's working and stuff like that, a lot of it is, is trial and error. It's right. a lot of kind of like really putting your, 
you know, putting your head way into something and coming out and, and, and like making sure that it's going to add value. Definitely. Yeah. So to kind of turn the tables on you, do you ever get frustrated or annoyed with um, if like a project has a different strategic thinking than what you thought of creatively? Or how do you combat that? Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Mm-hmm, um, I actually really like to challenge strategy mm-hmm. um, and not because I don't necessarily agree with it, but um, my personal process is I'm not like a, I'm, I'm much more of a, to, I'm going to put this in a really weird term. Mm-hmm. I'm much more of a sniper than I am of a machine gun person. Okay. So I need to, <laughs> yeah, I need, I, I like to know as much information as possible before I even start. Right. So I challenge strategy a lot, not necessarily from a point where it's like, I think it's wrong, but I want more. I want more information. I want more insights. I want more angles at it before I even kind of start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, it's not frustrating, but sometimes I do get to a point where it's like, I wish I had more. I wish I had more to work from for a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked with really great strategists and I've worked with not so great strategists. And to me, like that's usually the the difference is the options that we're getting and convincing me as the, as the person who's trying to solve this problem that this particular insight or this truth is the way to do that. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes it just feels like it's a little bit half-assed. It's like, well, you know, it's, it could work. It might not. Let's try it. And it's like, well, I have to do this like nine times. So like, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's narrow that down there. Um, but what about you, Nick? Well, uh, obviously Scott is the creative director, so he would have a better sense of, uh, <laughs> being able to push back on things like that and, uh, more experience with it than I do. But my answer would be that I believe in you guys. So whatever comes down, <laughs> whatever's Aww, mandated. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. I say that that's, that's the way to go. Um, it's not that I don't believe in them. I'm just like the type where I was like, is there any more? You have to be. You're yeah. the director. No, so, it's important to ask why again. And from my perspective, uh, I get a brief, whatever it may be. There might be lots of things that I don't agree with necessarily um, as a gut feeling, but that doesn't matter because you guys dug into the numbers and the metrics and this is what you're presenting us with. So I say, yeah, I'll create to that if I can. Awesome. But I th- that sort of thing is the most important part. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get like, marketing philosophical here the most absolute most important part of working in marketing for from an agency standpoint is the brief if the brief isn't there if it's not complete if it's not to its fullest potential it's there a couple of things happen right so the first thing is that the client doesn't agree with the brief then you're creating something that the client doesn't necessarily agree is going to solve the problem and at the same time it becomes sort of that backbone of how the problem is going to be solved so for me, I look at it as the blueprint. So you would never build a house without a blueprint. Mm-hmm. So you want to get that blueprint signed off, everybody's bought in, and then you can bring in your creative team and it can look amazing, but it's still kind of got that foundation. And what I've learned in my career is that you don't actually get a foundation until you're working really closely with a really strong strategist. Right. And I've been very lucky in my career to work with really good strategists, um, which is kind of how you kind of pick that stuff up. But at the same time, it's given me the confidence to kind of push back on a lot of strategies that I have been getting and say, I need more. I can't, like, this is a very weak foundation to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm comfortable doing that now. But. Mm. That's important. I think so too. I think like the, the collaboration between strategy and creative is hugely important for, for these jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, because one, we need... To, Creatives need to be tethered in some capacity. 
uh, <laughs> or else it gets real weird real fast. Yeah, it just goes, <laughs> spirals out of control. Exactly. Uh, you but should the hear other... the things that I come up with if you just let me. Yeah. Well, I've seen your music video. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nick's music foul. video. Totally. The brief was way out there. So. <laughs> Who was the target for that, may I just ask? Uh, unfortunately, we had no strategy team involved. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... You can see the end result. That's why we need you guys. <laughs> what do you find is challenging about being a strategist? Um, so I think I touched on this a bit before, but just how I would say maybe how different things are. So again, like starting off fairly new to the industry, I don't really have many precedent cases or precedent jobs that I've worked on that can kind of help assist which direction I should take. So a lot of a lot of the time it's going off of um, like just previous things that we've done in the agency, but like you have to form your own way to get to your own specific strategy. Um, So I think like switching from, so the first, let me scale it back. So the first client or task that I worked on, it's very informational based in a very, in a very, how do I say it? Are you trying to say boring, but not say boring? I don't, I didn't want to say boring. It's okay. You're in a safe place. You can say boring. (laughs) The content was quite dry. um, And you had to learn very specific industry terms for it. um, And basically create a brief for white papers. um, Mm. And I think the hard part is you kind of have to be, again, for informing creative or briefing creative, if you're providing the brief, you kind of have to become like the mini expert in that area. So I think from the get-go, like trying to learn all the terms. So I was able to tell the creative team I was briefing on um, everything they needed to know in a way that they understood. But first I had to understand what everything meant. Um, that's just, Yeah, so that's just one case. So I think like having to learn a bunch of different things um, straight from the get-go and I've become an expert in really niche areas that I never thought I would just because but, like I what you gotta you gotta tell us now because that's super interesting so like in the chemicals industry I know a bunch of buzzwords now I think that was from one of the what else chemicals what other, what other I because I, I, I think it's super interesting like as a strategist like you mm-hmm. immediately have to become an expert in really obscure things in order to be the expert on your team yeah to solve these really intricate problems so yeah you've got like chemicals what else Chemicals, so um, for the same uh, client, um, they were, so basically the, for the white papers, it was, they were trying to narrow in on, it was, it's a B2B company, so they're trying to focus in on different industries, so it's really like more trades-based, I think, yeah, chemicals was one, life sciences was one, so it was a lot of bio terms in that sense, um, and then I can't remember the others now because that was over a year ago. But yeah, just things like like I would have never known about like the chemicals landscape in Vancouver if I hadn't gotten sent on that brief. But I think it goes back to exactly what we were talking about before at the very beginning. And then in order to really enjoy this, a gig like this, you have to be naturally curious. Yeah. Right. So like if you out right out of the get go, it's like chemicals yawn, but if kind of like, you're just like, okay, I mean, there's gotta be something interesting about this. If there's a problem to solve, um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever find it daunting to think that, you know, something new is coming and I have to learn all of it really quickly? Or is that something you just like excites you? 
I'm kind of excited to do that. Like I've a few of my friends, if, if you're listening to this podcast, um, <laughs> which they will, <laughs> I often ask them if they also think it's scary how like there's such an infinite or a finite number of days we have on earth that we can only really become experts in one certain area or like a couple or a handful, but we're never going to be experts in every single area. And that's kind of scary because I kind of just want to know how everything works, but I would not be able to tell you like what the process of from thinking about moving my finger to moving my finger is. But there are people who like spend their, their entire lives like researching how the human body works and like they'll never know or unlikely will know like the level of creative direction and like what that takes that like you do, Scott, or like production like you do. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think strategy also allows you to kind of get a surface level knowledge on different areas that I would have never thought I would um, typically research. But yeah, I think it's it's cool and opening my eyes to those different areas. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too isn't just sort of like the like the technological or like the the tangible aspect of becoming an expert but really what you're trying to do is understand people from different angles right it's how people react to things how Mm -hmm. people are consuming things what they're looking for so i think if you kind of look at it through that standpoint what you're becoming an expert in is is people and and how they react to things which is hugely valuable in kind of every industry if you think about it because that's all we do totally so this aspect about Marguerite I just learned and I found it pretty amazing uh you're still in school I'm still in school how do you manage it um with tears (laughs) (laughs) no I am I'm only part-time now so I was always planning on going back full-time after my internship but after I started at Pound and Grain I didn't want to stop or reduce my hours to part-time so I chose the full-time working path and school part-time so I'm only in a couple of courses but I can see the end now and it's in a few months so I'm just holding on to that um managing it it's it, it's fine it's just some days after work I'm not particularly in the mood to like do a bunch of econ homework mm, but fair. um yeah yeah, I'm like barely in the mood to do anything after work. So <laughs> I, I almost did. never do my econ homework. <laughs> uh, but Nick does Spanish homework. I do do that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say something in Spanish right now? No. <laughs> that was Spanish. That wasn't the English way. <laughs> I could see the accent on yeah. that. End. <laughs> Yo no sé. <laughs> so what, what are you currently studying or finishing studying? Um, so I'm finishing up my BBA, my uh, Bachelor of Business Admin. Um, the courses I'm taking now are economics and um, decision analysis, which I find interesting, but uh, not enough to want to still do it after work. <laughs> well, you're in a really interesting spot because um, like you interned at mm-hmm. Pound and Grain, and then typically what happens is people finish school and then right. they, they try to come back, but you decided to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a lot of, we get a lot of intern requests and stuff like that, but like What would your advice be to somebody who is coming in to intern at Pound and Grain? I'll give the advice that everyone at Pound and Grain gave me when I first started out is that you should learn that Pound and Grain doesn't function as a normal agency. (laughs) And it's super fun and fast paced and it's hard work, but it's worth it in the end. And 
you do get your hands on a lot of different things. So I felt really lucky to be given so many responsibilities really early on, whereas my other um, classmates in the same program weren't given as many things to do as I was. So I felt really lucky that way. I think if you're just finishing school, experience is really valuable. And I've definitely learned a lot more here, I think, than maybe sitting in a classroom while it did provide, I guess, the background knowledge in a, on a few industry terms. Mm. But yeah, I think treat your internship as a place where you'll learn the most and really experience if you want to work in the industry because I think it's a really great way just to jump into it because you can't really tell just by sitting in there and listening um, about the job description. So yeah, just come in with open eyes and open ears to Pound and Grain and you'll succeed. <laughs> That's it's very uplifting, very optimistic. It is very uplifting, yeah. Uh, we actually have a very good track record with our interns. I think, uh, yeah, I think probably about eight current staffers were interns and just kind of wow. like kept going. So it's, it's pretty good. It's well, awesome. I would say the Pound and Grain is an interesting case because um, we're not ageist here at all which a lot of other places are mm-hmm. and just in general in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone can come in who's in their early twenties, who is not even completed their school yet, but if they prove themselves and, you know, showcase their talent, then you'll have as much of a voice as anyone else here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why. That, yeah. That's why I find it so great. So as, um, with ethnic parents, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, here we go. No, no, no. I, I mean, because like I know that I had a really difficult time going to my parents saying, uh, I'm going to try to do something creative. Yeah. And they're like, we're not going to support you forever. So mm-hmm. make it work. Um, like from a strategic standpoint, like because you're in strategy, that's a bit of a different conversation. Right. So you can approach this from a business standpoint. So when you were like, I'm going to be studying this and I'm going to be working in marketing, it was all it was all good for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, so my mom has always been super supportive of me, um, and she was really excited when I got the internship here. She's always told me, like, since my sister and I were young, like, she always emphasized do what makes you happy, um, because life is too short to do anything else. And that sounds so cliche, but um, I guess as a kid, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But hearing it now, like, I have seen what my other friends have gone through, through the pressures, and being in a field they're not necessarily happy with because they have not to say forced, but have been guided in that direction. Um, Yeah, I just felt really lucky and having such a supportive mom and she still is always really supportive. Aww. I'm gonna switch gears for a second. We're gonna gonna go to the phone boards, so so to say. Um, We've got some some questions from the team. Okay. I think the, the first one is going to come from Hannah, who's out in our Ireland office, because we have one of those. Um, she would like to know if you could work on any brand or client, what would that be right now? Ooh, that's a tough one. There are so many that I would love to work on. Um, I, guess, I guess my favorite brand, or one that I really admire, is Maison Kitsune. Um, they've had a really interesting... I guess, Conception. Have you guys heard of them before? What the heck is that? (laughs) So they first started out as a record label. Mm. um, And I think the two founders, um, one is from Paris and one's from Tokyo. They met in a record studio and I think they just bonded over their love for music. But their label, um, they now handle a few big names like 
two-door cinema club, I believe. I'm going to be really embarrassed if that's not the name of the actual band. But uh, yeah, I think they also first handled Daft Punk. But they started out as a record label company, and then they had a few merch items. Um, and it got so big, they progressed into a fashion line. And I think that's what they're most known for now, is their clothing. Um, and they're quite global, having started in Tokyo and Paris. Um, and then they further expanded to a coffee shop. So they own a bunch of cafes around the world too. So I think like working for a company that is well-versed in so many different industries would be so interesting because they all kind of follow the same branding um, and style. And it comes from the perspective of two people who have such different perspectives on anything and just seeing the product of that. Yeah, I would love to work on something like that. I think that would be so fun. Great example. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Nike or something like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very cool. And I think um, both Scott and I showcased our lack of coolness by not knowing what it was. But <laughs> I secretly looked it up while you asked what it was. <laughs> yeah, we've we've learned totally something. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. This next one comes from Ivana, the copywriter here in the Toronto office. She wants to know your go-to office snack. Ooh, I don't know if I have a go-to one. I eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, snacking in the office, like it's for me, I don't particularly do it that much just because during work hours, I like to sit down and eat a huge meal to the point where I'm stuffed. Um, so that I save the snacking for after. But if you were to ask me right now, maybe like bubble tea, I'm always in the mood for. But there's also a hot debate about whether that's a snack or a drink or a dessert. You chew it. I'm going to say it's a snack. You chew, But in your case, you drink it. So but is I, it then a drink? Yeah, but in my case, it just doesn't exist because I'm, <laughs> I'm just not a, a bubble tea. The debate person. rages on. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it remains my favorite office snack. So is there a bubble tea place near the Vancouver office? And how much better is the bubble tea place in Toronto? Go. Here we go. Um, so there's a place in Tinseltown Mall that's really close to our office. Um, the FFC, for listeners who don't know what the FFC is, it's the fast food club. We have a Slack channel. Um, we always like type in the channel, like, oh, who's down for bubble tea? So we just all gather and we go to Tinseltown. They have, I can't even remember what the bubble tea shop name is, but it's on the second floor. Um, and they're, they're pretty good. And then if we're feeling like adventurous or if it's not raining, um, then we'll go to, we'll make the trek over to Coco. But yeah. What's uh, that? Coco. It's, it's like one of the main bubble tea places. And I think it came here from Asia, mm-hmm. but you guys have it too. I'm pretty sure. Well, I think what Scott was trying to really drive at. Here, I know the Toronto thing. Yeah. Um, Come on. Toronto or Vancouver. <laughs> Which city wins? And the, and this is from pretty much every team member because they know that you're kind of on the fence with this one. So yes. I, I think just to kind of set the record straight, where are you going to be in a year from now? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say Vancouver will always probably have my heart and I will always go back there because my mom is there. It is a beautiful city. It is. We joke a lot, but it's yeah, a nice it, place. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but for right now, I think Toronto is kind of where I'm leaning towards. So we'll see you again in a year. We win. We win. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Version Control, the hot seat featuring Marguerite Gailey. If you like what you've heard, 
Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. <laughs>